Hi folks, this is Milla Heikkilä and you're listening to Better Monday Podcast. On this episode I got the opportunity to catch up with Bruce Wang, with whom I chatted about a year ago when the pandemic had just started. Bruce works as director of engineering at Netflix, and last time when we talked he had just started in his new job. In the last episode we talked about recruiting and organizational culture. If you haven't heard that episode yet, you can find it from www.bettermonday.fi. Today uh, we're going to focus on leadership and how to build a successful team. If you like this episode, please comment and share it with your friends and colleagues. This is the Better Monday podcast, powered by Sophocus. Hi, Bruce. It's awesome to see you again. How hey. how are you? <laughs> Good. You know, I mean, it's going. <laughs> uh, it's you know, I was just looking at last time we talked. It was it's been almost a year, right? Um, yeah. It was like yeah. three. March eighteenth was uh, last time we talked, and I think we had just like shut down the office at Netflix, and um, yeah, so it's been a year, <laughs> and we're still you know still kind of fighting through it. Um, as a country and as a state. So um, it's going, get, get used to it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, same same here, because uh, uh, I just uh, came to realize that, wow, it's really been a year in this, <laughs> in this yeah. corona situation and uh, many things have changed during yeah. the year. Uh, yeah. It's, it's been a, quite a journey, I would say. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, but hey, um, last time when we uh, talked, uh, you said that uh, you um, take care of your work-life balance by recharging over the weekends, like by going uh, mm-hmm. hiking, spending time with your family, working out and uh, things like that. Uh, has this uh, stayed the same or has something changed during this whole year? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, my wife and I, like, we, we want to take the weekend and spend like one day maybe to ourselves either we'll work out or hike or something like that and then or or we'll work or just catch up on work um that all depends on like us being able to get a babysitter <laughs> uh, since we have two kids um and so uh we we try to maintain that um we recently found a new babysitter and so that that helps us a little bit where we have like all of saturday um just last weekend we did like a 10 mile hike, um, through a new, new area around the mirror woods area. Um, so yeah, like trying to keep that. Uh, my wife actually is much better about working out than me. Uh, she's like running almost every day. She's training. She's doing a big hike in Yosemite, um, this summer. And so, so she's actually training with like a 40 pound back, uh, backpack. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so we're trying to, you know, we're trying to do stuff like that. Uh, you know, and then Sunday, like what's really interesting is we've discovered the city more like because we're not trying to travel or trying to you know sending the kids to swimming or ballet like you know ocean beach is a pretty like well-known beach we never go there right we never went there before and now like we've gone there so often now it's so close to us it's in the city um and we're like why haven't we come here before and so this is an example of like you know sundays we'll, we'll like do some family thing and Last two Sundays, we just went to the beach, 
Um, and it's not like super hot, you know, in, in the beach area. It's just more like, you know, hang out. And it's almost like mini vacations. <laughs> um, and so I think doing those things, uh, you know, obviously I live close to Golden Gate Park, which is a pretty big park in San Francisco. Uh, so try to do stuff there. Um, I still try to, you know, meet friends outdoors and like kind of mask up. Um, and sometimes we'll go hiking with them and stuff like that. So definitely, I, I think you you need to maintain mm -hmm. that, especially right now, because you don't really have other social contact, right? Like normal social contact, like going yeah, to the office. Exactly. <clears throat> and uh, the thing that I've noticed uh, here in Finland, at least, uh, that people actually do go out more often, like uh, to hiking and uh, mm. explore the nature. And that's been quite awesome and right. really, really nice to notice yeah. that uh, uh, people actually, <laughs> they, they are utilizing the, let's say like, the own sources of our own country which which is which is pretty great right. i would say yeah totally like we've closed off I, i don't think like last time we talked you know i don't think they did that yet but they closed off like the streets in golden gate park and so it's like there's no more cars in there and it's so popular that people are wondering like oh will this be permanent right even after everything is lifted like will they close it we also have these concepts of slow streets where they take certain streets in the city and just like put like barricades around. And so you could, you can't really drive through as easily. And those actually, some of them have become permanent. So you oh. see a lot of people just walking outside, hanging, and just walking on the street, right? Like literally on the street, because it's closed off. Um, so there, I, I think that's what you're saying. Like it's, there's, a, there are positives there where like people are enjoying what they have and, and uh, you know, like mm. staying local. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Hey, you have also worked for Net Netflix for about over a year now. Uh, yeah. Last time you had just started when we last time talked. Right. How's it been with, with your work and with your new job? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a whirlwind. Like, you know, when we talked, I, it was so funny because I remember some of my coworkers were saying, hey, like, maybe you should wait a little before you talk. You know, so you get the hang of things. And I didn't totally understand it. I was like, well, I wait two months. But really, like, yeah, you don't really fully understand everything or get everything until you've been here for at least six to nine months. Uh, and so I think I went through that same journey. Like, you know, I, I was at that time, I think we were talking about I was hiring. Yeah. So I did it did find two great sunning colleagues, um, engineers who joined us in July. Um, I also um, brought in a new manager who's starting soon. Um, and, you know, just like getting into the rhythm of things, understanding all the different challenges at the company and, and with the specific team that I have. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I wrote a blog about this. And uh, one of the things that I, I, I think I've gotten better at is like true clarity. It was just like truly understanding what the team does and, The challenges obviously i'm not at the code level like my team but really understanding like what is our bottlenecks like you know i've heard of the stories of what was hard about our team right and then being able to see it in person um looking at the different projects that come through and like what we're dealing with i think it's like allowed me to sort of appreciate uh more deeply like our, our challenges um you know for instance like right now we're working on like how do we do product request lifecycle, right? We, we are, because we're a central middle team where we, you know, like our UI partners will interact with our APIs and then we have to take 
backend microservice APIs and you know put them together, uh, we're we're sort of in the middle of a lot of product requests, right? But we don't directly talk to product. So many times we don't realize a thing is coming down the pike until like almost too late, right? Some of the bigger projects, obviously, we you know there's a lot of forums where we we get wind of it early, but um, just rethinking our process, right? Like you know I had an idea of like. This was a problem early on, right? But it, it just, I didn't know exactly how to address it and really felt comfortable with enough with the team to really push for a change. And now I feel like the team's also like, you know, obviously has long recognized this is a big hole. And then also like, I, I've like felt better about, okay, there's maybe a process we can run now that will help improve how we intake requests, who does it, uh, you know, what's the process really look like? Um, how much like vetting research analysis do we have to do before we actually start the work? Uh, depending on the request, you know, it could be a small ask that turns out to be a big change on our side, right? It might be like, hey, I want this thing to show up in, in the Netflix app. And it's like, sounds simple. <laughs> but then it's like, oh, we have to build all these other services or this concept's actually not easy. Um, and we've had a few of these where a simple request actually turned out to 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 spur some like strategic projects for us um so that's an example of like if we talked in march like i might have told you like oh yeah i think this is something we need to do but now like i feel like okay i actually understand what the problem is <laughs> exactly and <laughs> you know what we could try to help solve it and and i i think i've built enough credibility with the team to actually like push for stuff and obviously they also recognize we need to change this and so it's that kind of combination of knowing who your team is knowing they knowing who you are you understanding the true like problems that the team has and and i think every leader when they join early you know you might have gut instincts and I, i'm very much a gut instinct type person but i realize like taking time is actually important especially here uh and not trying to rush it you know, mm. like, like, we're not trying to like, just solve it. I mean, I, I still remember my boss gave me a feedback early on saying, Hey, like, you don't need to, <laughs> some of this stuff might take years to solve, right? Like, this is like, not simple stuff. And, and I remember him saying that, and I didn't totally understand it till like, now, you know, um, that yeah, some of this stuff is pretty hard to fix. And uh, we need to really think about it strategically. And so, um, you know, I, I definitely say it's a, obviously been amazing experience huge learnings for me um but i feel like i'm almost just starting the journey <laughs> even though it's been a year uh and and it's pretty intense um even though we have great work-life balance like when you're working it's pretty intense and so lots of stuff to do lots of um you know different things to solve um so you know i i obviously overall it's been a great amazing experience I definitely definitely awesome. Um, but it, it's, it, you know, it's like, I feel like finally, I know what's going on. Right? <laughs> mm -hmm. It takes time, of course, like in, yeah. a, in any role, but uh, def yeah. definitely in a position where you uh, are responsible for others. Like, yeah, uh, too. Definitely. yeah. Definitely. Uh, you have also led many, many teams during your whole career. Uh, and you have talked quite openly also about your failures and learnings as a as a leader. Could you share those learnings with with uh, with our listeners as well? Yeah. yeah, you know, 
one thing that comes to mind, like, you know, we had just talked about, like, you know, I'm kind of the, um, I heard someone talk about like talker thinker where you talk and think at the same time. And I'm, I'm like that, right. I can sort of just come up with ideas as I'm talking. Uh, and I'm pretty quick at like thinking up things to try out. And I think the the problem there is it's, it's a lot of whiplash if you're trying to like, Hey, I want to do this thing. Oh no, I'm going to do this thing. And I, I realized like, there was just a lot of stuff I'm juggling or, or I'm trying to like push through with the team. And, you know, that's just a mistake, right? Like I can't actually, if I want to do it well, I can't actually like balance this many things, you know? I, so I have a Trello board, which is my consistent capture system, which is a way that you capture all the tasks. And I was just looking through it and, and it was like, I had stuff in there from like last year, right? Like early last year that I still haven't done. Uh, and then I looked at like the initiatives I'm driving and there's like eight of them. I was like, okay, that's just too many. Like I can't practically do that with any fidelity. Right. So I think the big lesson is just like, you know, I need to really prioritize as well. Like, you know, I tell my teammates like, Hey, you should prioritize. And then I have my own priority issues. Um, you know, I do things like this, <laughs> like external speaking engagements. And, you know, I have to be really careful about spending that time. Right. Cause I could be also catching up on other stuff during this time, right? So I think the big lesson here is really like protect my time as well um, and really try to figure out like what are the key projects to like really push for and go deeper into. Um, you know, hiring a new manager will help me a lot because I can sort of like offload a huge chunk of my responsibility to, to the new leader. And then she can also help drive and take it farther than I've been able to, right? I, and like a consistent feedback I've gotten is like, hey, you seem like overloaded. You seem juggling a lot of stuff. Like, you know, it's like I get great feedback, but also the same, it's like, hey, you're, you're like in a lot of stuff. But like, you know, it just seems like you're like really like overwhelmed. And, and I think it's because there's so much stuff going on. And so I need to really... And I've done small stuff like set aside every other Friday to like spend time to what I call X day um, to like really just think and, and, and do my work and catch up. Um, but that's definitely a big one. Big area is just like the amount of stuff I'm trying or trying to do, I need to reduce. And then that way also I can provide more context and more information to my teams, right? Like. For instance, my all hands that we had last week, like because I was juggling so much, I didn't really prepare for it to like a few days before, right? And then it was like a pretty rich topic that luckily we we got into it was about vulnerability. Um, it was a great great podcast between like Brene Brown and Adam Grant talking about vulnerability. But anyways, it was like two days before I kind of threw it together. You know, I have this skill where I can like just come up with ideas and just push it through. But then like, you know. I can't expect my team to just grok that and then be like, oh, now let's start talking about this. And so it's definitely a thing that I've gotten feedback on. I've reflected about myself and I just have to figure out like, you know, I think it just comes down to if I have more time, I can then like spend it prepping and like, you know, sending out an agenda a week before instead of like two days before, right? Um, prepping the conversation more. You know, those are the things that's a big lesson to me. Um, the second one, I think goes back to what I talked about earlier about true clarity is like, even just with your team, individuals understanding kind of like where they're at and where they are and like where they want to go. 
uh, takes time to build that relationship, that true understanding. Um, and definitely some of the mistakes early on was just like, you know, assuming certain things about what someone wanted to do or having a, a judgment on something that was misinterpreted as like an edict, right? Like, it's just like, hey, I think this thing we may, you know, I, I'm trying to understand this thing that we're doing. And it was interpreted like, oh, we shouldn't do this thing, you know? And and it was like, okay, that's not what I meant. <laughs> and so it was, it was like hey, getting to really know my team. And, and this goes back to time, right? Like, if I'm just kind of like, blasting through my one-on-ones and like every one-on-one is like back to back to back like i don't have time to like prep or review my notes or go back and say oh what did we talk about last time you know it's almost like on the fly one-on-ones which is fine for catching up but you don't you don't create that kind of like long running thread that you could just mm -hmm. keep on pushing for right so um you know i think <laughs> I, I kind of feel like sometimes like everything goes back to priorities <laughs> for a company, for a team, for individual. And so I think definitely the learning is like, what is the priorities and how, you know, how do you balance that? Uh, but then I see it like there's team priorities and, and things like that. But there's also just like individual time that you can dedicate to, to knowing or learning more about your team and giving meaningful and actionable feedback to your team. Those things all don't come for free without building the relationship and also having the time to reflect and think about it, right? So um, those are kind of the two big lessons that I've gotten. Um, and that's been consistent throughout my career, like in terms of like priorities and pushing for stuff and balancing. I think about my last few jobs, it all came back down to priorities, right? How do you balance the engineering work versus the product requests, right? How do you, how do you balance like the shifting markets because you're a startup Right? Whether you're a startup or a big company like Netflix, you're always got to think about shifting markets, right? You look at Disney Plus, they've grown immensely um, since, you know, I think it wasn't even launched when we talked, right? Yeah, now it it's like <laughs> the second, basically second biggest streaming service in the world, right? It, it's like a really, really uh, impressive growth. And so that's an example of like, hey, like, how do you keep up with this stuff? Uh, it, it all comes back to prioritization, right? Like, mm. how do you prioritize your work? How do you decide what to do? And then how do you prioritize your own time, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm kind of like, this is a common theme for me. And I just, like, I need to think about how to, <laughs> how to continue to improve that. You know? mm -hmm. Have you noticed that it's uh, harder now when we are in this lockdown and uh, we, we can't really see our, our people at the office anymore? Because uh, at least when I've been uh, talking with people, they're all being telling the same thing, that it's, it's really hard to actually um, have some spare time between the meetings, for example, that you just hop in from one uh, meeting to another and then you, you really don't have any time to think or any time to um, just to, I don't know, have the creative, um, creative time uh, in your day. Yeah, totally. I mean, this goes back to like the lunches, the sideway, you know, the the hall, you know, hall conversations, the the side conversations, the lunch conversations, like all that kind of like glue that that happens in a company that just is missing. And you know, for a company that's always been like co-located, at least in the engineering side, it it's just not a skill we have of how do we maintain that glue when we're all remote. Right. Mm. And that's something we've shifted. Actually, that's a big shift for us um, from last time we talked. You know, when I was recruiting last time, it was like, 
how do I get them to move to Los Gatos, right? Yeah. And now we've kind of rethought like, hey, we want to be a remote inclusive organization from our product engineering org. And so, you know, my first manager hire actually, she's based in Philadelphia, right? So she's not even based in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, so it, it, it definitely, it's harder and you have to like make space for that, right? And so I've heard this common with most of the people I've talked to using tools, either Google Meet, Zoom, or like something like GatherTown, where you just have like no agenda meetings, where you're just like hanging out, milling around, just chatting. I think when you have a big team, it gets a little hard because it's just too many people. Um, smaller teams, it's super effective because it's just like really small, two, three people conversations. Those are great. Um, you know, pairing sessions where maybe we didn't pair, like we're not a pairing, like extreme parent programming type company, but pairing more and like just spending time together. <laughs> uh you know that like maybe in the office was just easier to do because you could just say hey can you look at this piece of code and then you're good to go whereas pairing is like really have to be thoughtful and like okay we're going to do this and we're going to pair on a regular basis even if like i'm working on this code i want someone else to look at it so i can talk about it so yeah absolutely i think it's it's harder to build those connections but mm -hmm. i i don't I guess at this point, I don't, it's not an excuse anymore, right? Like this is sort of the future. Like even if we go away from lockdown and pandemics over, like the future is figuring out how to like lead a distributed you know, organization. Uh, many companies yeah. obviously have done this uh, quite well. We're probably a little, you know, late in the game, but we're learning really fast and we're growing really fast in this area. Um, and so I think these things of like recording the meetings and doing more async stuff and creating docs, you know, we've always been a memo pub culture, but like, you know, how do we like not have to force a sync conversation if we can, or do we prep a lot before so that it's not like context setting, but really digging down to the issues in the meeting. I think there's a lot of those things that you read and also like have experienced that you can do. Um, and I think the worst thing you could do is like, oh, we'll just, wait until we get back to office. Like that's just the raw mentality, I think, is just like, no, this is the new normal, not saying that we're all remote, and you know, some companies is all remote, but it's more like, how do we take these learnings and apply it, right? And and we have that here as well, it's like stuff that we're doing, like, you know, streamed live town halls, you know, at different times to accommodate our global staff. You know, those are things we're all gonna like keep Right. Even after we all get back. Um, so, uh, you know, it was a hard anyways, given that, like, the rest of the company is pretty distributed. Right. Because uh, we have production offices all over the world. Um, so I, I think, like, my view on this is that, yeah, that's that's the new normal. And we got to figure out how to how to how to live with it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Hey, uh, what's the biggest mistake that you have made uh, as a leader? And uh, what have you learned from that? Yeah, I, I saw this question and I was thinking about it a little bit. And what's interesting is I think like it's not, I, I don't think it's ever like one big mistake. Like you did something and then it was over. You know, it, it's, I feel like 
most leaders, that's the thing. It's like you do something and maybe you're not correcting it. And over time, it actually becomes a big problem, right? And so I, I don't know if there's one, like, I, I keep on going like, oh, is there's one thing I said or did that like just ruined the whole team? And, and it's like never something like that, you know? It's not like, oops, I messed up. It's, it's more like, did I create an unintended culture by accident, right? Did I mm -hmm. do something that I didn't mean to do and over time that perpetuated, that became a big problem, right? Um, and, you know, I think, I, I think early on as a leader, I think a lot of people go through this as an early uh, people leader is not recognizing like the job. <laughs> I, 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 I talk to a lot of people who are like tech leads and they want to move into management or like managers who like were ICs just recently. Um, and I think the mistake that I made, which I think is a very common mistake, is more just like, hey, it's just a natural progression, right? Like I'm a, I'm an engineer, I'm a software engineer, I'm a tech lead, and then I'm a manager. Like it's a natural, it's like, that's a huge mistake. It, it's like a different role, right? It, it's like working engineering and then working some in another profession. And I think that's probably the biggest mistake in terms of a mentality that I had is that I just was like, oh, I'd just be a technical leader, but also have people report to me, right? And I think that's a big mistake in your mentality of like what a leader is, right? And so that took me many years of just learnings and failures when it comes to like leading teams and not understanding like, hey, you're not like the technical lead anymore, or you shouldn't be. Like you're the people manager, right? You should be mm. empowering your teams. You should be growing them. You should be training them, giving the feedback, coaching, doing one-on-ones, career discussions. All this stuff that you don't realize is like part of the job. <laughs> um, and I think that's the mistake, right? I think, and it's a common one, right? It, it's natural. You know, I've heard of companies where like, it's literally like tech lead is the position before you become manager, right? Like it's, it's like the ladder. Right. And I think for me, that's probably the biggest sustained mistake is thinking about it in that way. Like thinking about technical leadership versus people leadership are just two totally different tracks. They're completely split. When you become a manager, a people leader, it's, it's basically like a new role, right? It's not a continuation of your old role and you're going to, and you should be evaluated for different things. Right. And many companies, I think, evaluate you on the same things. Oh, are you a great technical leader? Are you pushing the project forward? But are you enabling the team? Are you growing the team? Are, are you able to hire? Are you able to like recruit? Are you able to like move people around so that they thrive in other places? Right. Like, you know, are you able to like understand what's going on with the team and what could be causing friction? Is there safety, you know, psychological safety in your team? There's all these things that like, I think new leaders and even existing leaders don't get, right? Like, and, and to me, that's probably the biggest mistake, but it's one of those mistakes that like, you almost kind of have to like go through, <laughs> you know, everyone will tell you this. It's like being a parent, right? Like, oh, parenting is really hard. You're not going to know until you become a parent. So I, I totally get it. Like you kind of need to be in the position. But I think once you're in the position, 
one mistake I've seen people do is continue on in that same fashion and not growing. And that's something that I've luckily been able to do is been in positions where I no longer knew the code. I no longer knew the technical aspects as deeply as I did before. And, you know, you had engineers that you had to really lead and help grow and, and push. And so then your role like changes, right? And I've always had this idea of like, okay, I need to code too, to be good, especially with a startup, right? And I think that's probably the biggest like mistake, but it's not like a mistake, like, oh, I messed up this one thing, right? Like, I think it's like all these things that I've done in the past where they were mistakes is probably related to this thing, right? Related to not understanding like the nuances of people leadership, the desires of people, um, you know, growth of someone and their trajectory and, and, and understanding like how to move them into the right place or give them the proper training or understanding how to step back from your technical role and be more of a people leader. Like all these, I, I think back to the mistakes that I made, it's all like related to the same theme of not really understanding what it means to really be a people leader. And I, I always say people leadership is its own craft, just like technical. You need to grow, you need to learn, you need to build, you need to read, you need to do, right? And I think a lot of people just think people leadership some like myth, mystical thing that it's like, oh, you have to be good with people. You have to be an extrovert or you have, to, you know, you, you have these like things you think you have to be. And it's not true. Like it, it's like anything else. You have to practice at it. You have to get good at it. You have to learn. You have to grow. Um, and in some respects, it's harder than technical because it's people. <laughs> it's, it's not like a compiler or, or a piece of code where you know how it works, right? It you could you write it down and it just works as expected. People don't work that way, right? Um, and so I feel like in some respects it's actually harder this thing because there isn't like necessarily a manual or like a man page, you know, for a technical spec that you would have with people and leading teams and thinking about business and all these different priorities and all that stuff, right? It like so I, I feel like that's probably the biggest mistake i mean it's not a one-time event but i would say that it's like the the the, the biggest thing that I, i've taken for my career mm -hmm. and people change their minds that's also tough because <laughs> you never know like uh, uh well it's it's natural for for us uh, as humans to maybe want something at one point and then something else uh in in another so how do you kind of, uh, as a people leader, how, how do you manage in, in all that? Because people, they are all different <laughs> and uh, they also yeah. change. So Yeah, yeah. exactly. They change, you change, yeah. the company changes, the priorities changes. It's a very dynamic, fluid thing. And, and I think the, that one takeaway is people think about like, oh, we get to like some magical place where you're done as a leader and it's just not true like you're always having to like deal with new problems or different problems right and that's the job <laughs> right it's not like you know I, I think before i thought oh i come into a team i turn around or like i you know I build this culture it's amazing and then i'm done right and it's like that's not it's just not how it works it's like yeah you, you you go try to build the thing you want and then you adapt and figure out how it changes and then you have to keep on changing with it right um and you have to keep on growing with it 
And so it's this continuous process that never ends, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what's the recipe for building a successful team then? Or is there one? Yeah, I mean, um, look, I, I so I have this about me page on GitHub um, where I kind of anchor on like two broad concepts is like high safety and high accountability, right? So, you, you know, like when you have high safety and high accountability, you what they call the learning zone, right? Where you're learning as a team and growing as a team. I think that's the hallmark of a successful team. It's like, how are they learning and growing and, and building from their mistakes, being open about what's happening and trying to actually do something and learning from it, right? Um, and if you go with like that high level goal, then you have to go underneath and really break it apart. Like, okay, how's the diversity of your team? Like, do you have diversity of thought? Like, do you have safety in your team? Like, are, you, are your engineers empowered? Are they clear on the vision? Like, there's all these things that hang out from that. And I think, you know, before I might be, oh, you need to set a vision for the team or you need to do this for the team. And it's like, no, I think if you could create a learning culture where people trust each other and are open to talk about mistakes and learnings, and then you're highly accountable for the work where you're delivering it and learning when you're not, that's it. Like, that's all you need. And like, based on that kind of higher level goal of trying to create this learning culture, you're going to need to like do all this other stuff, right? You're going to have to recruit well. You're going to have to be able to retain engineers. You're going to have to like be able to like move people who don't fit anymore, don't want to be in the team, right? Like you got to be okay with that. Um, you know, you want to be able to set a vision so they get a sense of like where they want to go. And, and you want to like motivate them, right? So that they want to go towards that future. How do you get build that culture of learning and, and, and like pushing for something that we believe in. Right. And, but then adjusting as time needs. So I, I, I think, um, you know, my, the, the blog I, I wrote about like the pursuit of impact, you know, I, I kind of like list out, like, you know, you, you, you have to like really know your team, you have to be able to recruit, right. You have to build this learning culture. And then, and, and, and like, these are the things that like are continually happening. Right. But I think if I had to pick one, I think it just goes back to like building that learning culture, the learning as a default, right? And everything kind of, I know the blog didn't frame it that way, <laughs> but but that's like, if I had to go rethink it, it's like, that's like the thing you hang off of it, to know if you've gotten to where you want it to go, right? Um, is um, like, did did I create a learning culture? Like, is the team growing and learning? Is it, you know, like I said earlier, it's all about what we have to deal with now, <laughs> right? So you constantly have to come up with new ideas, new processes, new new structures to help support the problems of today, right? And so if you don't build a learning organism, a thing that can basically adapt, then you fail, right? You You might build an amazing organization for a problem two years ago, and then it would completely collapse onto itself when you're facing a new set of problems. So like the fact that it can adapt in a meaningful way, that's the thing you need, right? That that's, and, and that's the thing you want to have. Um, and I think to me, that's what a successful team looks like, right? Is that we're actually learning and growing 
and iterating and and just trying new things and look not trying too many things right i just said earlier that's one of my mistakes <laughs> is trying too many things but pick a few strategic things to really work out right mm-hmm. and and get to that point i mean why have retros right retros is really just one of many things you could do right it's not the only thing you could do but it goes back to like what's that for exactly it's not to run a retro <laughs> It's to learn from your mistakes and figure out how to like change it, right? And I've seen retros run where you run the retro and that's it. The the takeaways are never finished, right? They're just a big pile list of stuff we need to do as an org that we never do, right? I've seen that happen in multiple bases. So then why are you running the retro? Because the point of the retro is to actually change and learn, right? And so I think if you don't do that, you know, complete the cycle when it comes to like something like a retro right so so i think that's probably where i would say is the most important thing yeah. mm, really a good answer and uh, uh if you think about this whole corona situation for example if you have a team that has this learning mentality like continuous learning mentality uh this is also the situation where you can adapt uh, more quickly and change your um behavior or change your uh, practices and then actually succeed in the end I, i i believe yeah exactly like imagine if you know at netflix we had a really awesome co-located team everyone was in the same office super high functioning you're talking about some of the best definitely the best engineer i've worked with in my career and it's like amazing it's a, like you know great engine you know obviously could be improved And then you throw in this pandemic that no one could have predicted and the whole engine falls apart. And now you're trying to figure out how to like get out of it, right? You're you're stuck Mm -hmm. in the mud and now you're trying to move the car out. And so exactly like it could be small things like someone leaving. Not, I mean, that's not a small thing, but it could be a small thing like, oh, you know, like a shift in priority or, or, or someone going, you know, away or, you know, losing a a key engineer or something like that to a big Mm -hmm. thing, like a global pandemic you can't control. Like that, <laughs> all sorts of things could throw a wrench into your team's like mechanism. And so instead of like, it's almost like instead of building the car better, like build the engine that builds the car, right? Like that's the yeah. thing you have to like work on. It's like the the, the, the factory, you got to work on the factory so it can build anything, right? Not like make the best car, you know, if you want to use that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Uh, hey, could you give some concrete tips for new team leads or new leaders, especially? Yeah, I mean, I think like with the new leader, I, I think the, the the key here is that what I mentioned earlier is a lot of times a new leader comes in because of what they were great at before, right? Which is typically if you're in engineering is you were great, a great technical lead or great technical engineer, right? So I think the tips is like, like the first thing is, and it's not easy, is take yourself out. Like, could your team function without you? Like literally, like if you just like were gone, Could it work? Like, would the processes work? Are you holding it together, right? That's your test, right? So 
let's say you're a coding lead. Like if you stopped coding, what would happen, right? Would, would the team fall apart? Like, would you lose? And then if that happens, then you have to figure out, okay, what does that mean? Do I have to hire a new technical lead? Do I have to train up an engineer to become the lead, right? Do I need to set up a process that will help the team grow? I think that's the first tip is to like remove yourself from the team and think about like an overseer. Like if I was not on the team and it was working and you run through like a sprint or two, what what could be improved, right? I think a lot of leaders is in the team, right? And look, I've heard this startups will say like, oh, that's not possible because we're a startup, everyone, you know, all hands on deck, like the leader, you know, the founders are usually, you know, some of them are technical, they're coding. So yes, there's a certain stage where you might be working on the code and doing the stuff, right? But after a certain point, probably past five, six, seven engineers, you have to start thinking about the system, right? And so as a team lead, a technical lead, you have to really think about like not filling the spaces, the gaps for them. That, that's a very uh, typical thing to do. Oh, you know, I, I, t- I talked to a leader who was like, oh, the, you know, the, 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 the CICD process didn't work, so I'm working on it. I, I want to protect the team. They can focus on tech. I can go build the pipeline. I've done that myself. I build up the pipeline. And it's like, short term, that sounds like a great thing. Long term, that's really bad. (laughs) Because it's like, what are you doing? Like, your team then doesn't have the experience, like, of this, you know, this pipeline. Like, no one knows how it works except you. And like, isn't it weird that you need to plug that hole? Who else in the team could have done that? And I think that's a very concrete example of you, if you are a team lead and you're still like in it in the code, PR reviewing everything, you know, you're like running all the process. Like the first tip I give you is like, leave the team and like stop doing everything and just observe. If it completely collapses without you, then you have a big problem. <laughs> like you have a pretty big problem <laughs> with the team, right? Um, and so I think that's like one concrete tip. The other one I think that's super important, that's something that I learned, is you have to, Think about the diversity of the team. One really, really weakness of most people is you want to hire people like you, right? Look, I'm like a startup, like big thinker kind of person, right? So my natural tendency is, oh, I want people like that. I want people who are like big thinkers and they're open and they want to talk about huge things. What am I going to do with like 10 of those people? It's going to be chaos, right? It's going to be like the worst team ever. (laughs) And so I think the other thing of your team lead is, you know, I I love this example that my boss gave me when we were hiring is think of it as pieces of the puzzle, right? So he he meant it as like interview. Each interview is a piece of the puzzle and then you, you put the puzzle together and then you see the whole picture. But that's how you should think of the team. So you have different people with different skill sets who are very, maybe very different from who you are and how you are. And that's okay. Like, you need to really think about the makeup of your team. Like, you know, and, and I think we bias towards certain kinds of individuals, right? Like who maybe are the like out, you know, outward focus, partner focus, like big vision thinker. And you, you, you like might bias towards like these kinds of individuals, right? Or you might the bias towards, 
individuals who go in their silos and work on their, it depends on, you know, who you are as a leader and how, how you make up of the team. And so I think the second part is it's been proven time and time again, diversity of thought, diversity of team is super important, right? Having different viewpoints is super important because you need that challenge, you know, that challenger network where you don't just have a bunch of yes people telling you, yes, let's go do that. You need people to say, no, you know, that doesn't sound like a good idea. Or like, have we thought about this or this or that? And the more diversity of thought and experiences, you create a much stronger like system, right? And so I think as another team lead, I think you really have to think about the makeup of your team and don't just think like, oh, I just need like three of these people and then I'll be good. That's a common mistake. I have this awesome rock star, rock star engineer. I just need to hire three more of those people. And I would really challenge that. Are you sure? Are you sure that would actually create the best result? It might actually be terrible. I mean, this goes back to the surgical team example, right? You, you don't have 10 surgeons in a room. Like you have all these people that have play their role, right? So why don't we have 10 surgeons in a room? Like they're the best, most well-educated, the most capable. It's because it's like, that's not how a surgical team works, right? And I think it's the same thing with the engineering team. Like, you know, you have all these pieces of the puzzle that make up the team. So you got to really think about the pieces. And that's something I'm still learning, right? Like, you know, I still have these biases of like, oh man, I really like this engineer because they think like me. (laughs) And it's like, no, I can't. Yes, that's great. But we also need other people that don't think like me. And 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 think about these other problems and and they actually add like balance to the team you know and so i think that's the other solid tip as a leader is like really and this goes back to do you understand true clarity of your team do you understand what you have what your team is motivated by and then how do they all fit together and you got to be really careful about just biasing towards like i just want like four five of these people and, and to frankly, you know, it's usually white males, right? Like in those, like, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just, in, I mean, uh, you know, or Asian males and, you know, in, in, um, in Silicon Valley. And so that's kind of, you perpetuate that cycle, right? Uh, of just like, how do you get someone experienced when they don't have the experience? And, and, you know, so things like that, I think that's something you have to really break out of that mindset. And that's a really, really good tip, I think, because that's natural for people to want to be around similar people who who think the same and who 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 are like uh, similar from from their nature. So, really, something for for new leaders to think about, like think about the diversity of of your team. That's that's great. Yeah, and and just you gotta avoid the like diversity for diversity's sake that's a terrible way to think about it and like i've heard of many cynical leaders who think about like oh we, it's a quota or whatever I mean, it's like no think about you need different people to run a team and do you agree that like having diversity of thought actually matters well having diversity of thought means different people with different experiences and backgrounds different like so i think push just think of it differently you know like diversity and inclusion is super important not just purely for like the diversity inclusion piece of it, but if you want to go logical, practical, it's practical for your team to be diverse. Like that's actually how you get the best team. So it's it's not like a nice to have, 
right? It's not like a shiny thing you need to put on your, you know, in in your in your um, you know, like on your website. Like, oh, we believe in this. Mm-hmm. It's like this is a real problem. <laughs> like, if you don't have a diverse team, you will actually produce worse results. Yeah, it's like that's what will happen. And so, I think even for the most cynical leaders, you got to think about it that way. Is that you? Are you really producing the best work? Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, hey, do you still have some greetings for our Better Monday podcast listeners? Like any last words for for our podcast listeners? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this is fun. It was great catching up again. Um, you know, I think my 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 thing is whatever you watched last year was like the naive me and Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> the I didn't know what I was talking about. I just talked a lot, person. Um, and I think it's a good example of like, you know, this maturity and learning that you need to have with your team, and you know, just grow into that, right? And be okay with not knowing stuff, and just learn and grow with your team as well, right? And you know, it, it, it's okay to kind of like take your time. And and I know it feels like, hey, you're in a startup or whatever, you know, you have to execute and you have to get everything done. And so it feels like the pressure is on. But I, I would say, like, be careful with that, right? Like, t- taking your time uh, may actually end up being the better longer term decision. Um, now, look, there may be situations where you know you need to take action. And I'm not saying, like, wait, like, forever if you need to. But I think just ask yourself, like, do you really know what's going on with your team and how your team thinks? And do you really understand it? Um, Even for team members who've been there for a long time, you know, if you, let's say, became a team lead or manager, like, now you got to look at it differently with a different lens, right? Um, And so I think that's the last parting thought is, uh, you know, I've definitely been humbled by this experience. It's been awesome learning for me and growth. And just kind of continues to reinforce that, like, doesn't matter where you're at in your career, you got to have that, like, hunger for learning, curiosity, you know, what I call the wonderment, you know, and uh, just maintain that as a leader. Doesn't matter what, what position you're at, what level you're at, what title you have. Like, if you don't have that, I feel like um, then you're really missing the point. Thank you, Bruce. Cool. Thank you for listening to the Better Monday podcast. If you want to hear more, click to www.bettermonday.fi to subscribe and hear more. Stay safe, people, and keep up the good vibes. 